Hi, everybody. This is Leonard DiLorenzo, host of Church Life Today. Before we get to today's episode, just a quick word from me to you. We just passed our second anniversary of this show, and I wanted to say thanks. Thanks for listening, and thanks for all the great feedback you've sent our way in the past two years. If you like what you hear in our conversations with pastoral leaders and scholars, please pass our episodes along to others. Everything's available online at RedeemerRadio.com slash churchlife or on SoundCloud at Church Life Today. And if you live in an area where your local Catholic radio station does not carry our show, call your station, send them an email, ask them to take us on. Now let's get to today's show. This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. The full vision of Catholic education spans from the beginning to the end of childhood and on into who young people become as adults. It isn't just about students, it's about their families, the community of faith, the very vision and life that is shared among people. My guest today speaks to this comprehensive vision of Catholic education from his perspective as the head of a K-12 Catholic school. Caio Pientrantonio just completed his term as head of school at Holy Spirit Preparatory School in Atlanta, where he served in school leadership for 15 years. He joins me, Leonard DiLorenzo, on Church Life Today from the McGrath Institute for Church Life and Redeemer Radio. Kyle Pichantonio, welcome to the show. Lenny, it's great to be with you, and thank you for the ministry you're providing the church uh, through this series. Thank you. So in June 2020, Kyle, you completed your 15th and final year as head of school at Holy Spirit Preparatory School in Atlanta. And because Holy Spirit Prep offers education beginning in kindergarten, or maybe we should really say begins in preschool, and it runs all the way through high school, there's an opportunity in in that Catholic community to instantiate something like a complete and comprehensive vision of Catholic education in one place. So I was wondering if you could start off by telling us about the K-12 through vision of Catholic education you sought to pursue as the head of Holy Spirit Prep. Sure, Lenny. It might help just for me to begin just by recounting a little bit about what drew me to Holy Spirit Prep 15 plus years ago and kind of my own discernment. And and certainly one of the attractions uh, as I was canvassing the country for my next educational opportunity in Catholic schools, that the K-12 or pre-K-12 kind of panoramic vision of Holy Spirit Prep was among them. I just felt that by having families in a pipeline of formation, and I say families intentionally, and I'll come back to this because while students are a primary focus of Catholic ed and ought to be, I think when Catholic ed is serving its mission optimally, the family is transformed and the salvation of the family becomes the focal point. So when you have a, a pre-K-12, I jokingly referred to this on admissions tours as like a diaper to diploma model, <laughs> you really get to know families very well. And in the Ministry of Catholic Education, which is incarnational, it's ministerial, it's personal, it's relational, the longer and the better you know families, the more actualized the Catholic mission of the institution can be. And I saw this, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting goosebumps as I recount it, because I've, I've got so many just wonderful stories of the last decade and a half of families who have been in that pipeline 
not just 15 years. If this was a family with three, four, or five kids, by the time their youngest graduated from the school, they would have been at the school almost a quarter of a century. And that doesn't include their alumni parent or alumni involved. Right. So it really forms a strong, tight-knit connection with families. In fact, you know, I'm a medievalist, so to me, the school reminded me so much of the cathedrals in Europe in the Middle Ages, where it was at the center of the town. And multiple times a day, you were intersecting with the, the church. And it was both a literal and figurative reminder of its centerpiece in, in the lives of, of people then. And, and so too, we at Holy Spirit Prep, by having that panoramic vision, we wanted families' relationships with Christ to be a constant and to, to be on that continuum for a long time. And it's done very well. It's, it's a unique configuration, certainly in the Atlanta market. And I think it has served well as a differentiator. So what are some of the things that we might see differently at a place like Holy Spirit Prep, where you have that panoramic vision and you're really focusing, as you're saying, ultimately on families and not just on students? How is the engagement with the school community perhaps different or distinctive or more integrated? Sure. Good question. I think of two things along the lines of an answer, uh, Lenny. One is when I assumed the headship of the school seven years ago, I was an internal candidate. So I had known the school at that point for eight years in various capacities. And I said to the board at the time, the blessing is I know the school really well. The curse is I know the school really well. (laughs) And so at my behest, we ended up engaging Notre Dame ACE. At that point, they had a consulting arm of the Alliance for Catholic Education to come in and help really dive in and do some focus group work that would all feed into kind of a strategic plan of sorts, some goals for the next few years. One of the key takeaways of their visits and focus groups was that the school reminded them more of a parish than a Catholic school. And that stuck with me on many levels. And I've used that over the last seven years in working with our faculty, in working with our families, that we are unique in that way, in terms of the, the way we minister to families, the way they're an integral part of the school day. We have a very strong sacramental life at the school with two Catholic priests dedicated to the school full-time, which is also, I think, rather unique. They do home visits. They bless houses. They bless kids' cars. They go to dinners at our family's houses. They celebrate daily mass. Our families, our parents are encouraged to attend those. So it, it is really a tight tapestry when it comes to kind of the sacramental grace that a parish offers when you really tap into the sacramental life of a parish. So I, I agreed with that consultant at another Notre Dame in the sense that in many respects, our educational mission is a prong, an important prong, but one prong of many that kind of encapsulate the school and what it aspires to do. Now, Holy Spirit is a preparatory school, though, and I imagine a, a good portion of that preparation is preparation for college. It's a college preparatory school by the time it gets into the upper grades. You know, I've long been interested, Kyle, in the sort of the interplay between what we might dub a, a college prep culture and the mission of Catholic education. So I'm wondering what you think in terms of how does college prep flow well with the aims of Catholic education and how might it frustrate that pursuit at times from what you've seen? Uh, sure. Another g- good question, Lenny. And, and th- therein lies a tension 
I think of any Catholic school, particularly Catholic college prep school that seeks to prepare students for college, which by and large is a secular uh, chapter in most of our kids' lives, just as our data would support. Now, we have a number of kids who go to very fine Catholic colleges, but really they're moving out of the, the nest of a strong Catholic formation into a secular world. And so the tension exists of, of how do we get them adequately prepared to dive into a secular reality? but also stay tied to their faith and growing in relationship with Christ. So we've done this, and it's a constant work in progress. There's a wonderful constant dialogue, uh, and, it, and there can be some tension in departments about it, but it, but it needs to be at the forefront of every Catholic school that takes Catholic identity seriously. It needs to be a constant conversation in Catholic high school departments, is how do you infuse the faith? How do you keep it first and foremost? Uh, how do you respect the, the subject areas and the expertise of your other teachers? This gets into hiring well. This gets into curriculum design, apologetics. Uh, every one of our seniors before he or she graduates must take a course in philosophy and must take an apologetics course. This gets into the great college board debate and discussion and rigor and you know, the, the, the scholarships that kids are, are gunning for to help pay for college and, and what we need to provide to, to fulfill those aims of, of our families. So there's a tension. It's a healthy tension. I think you constantly need to keep the Catholic mission front and center. Don't lose sight of it. We have a phenomenal theology department chair, and we've had a series of phenomenal theology department chairs. I think that's critical. Someone who lives his or her faith someone who knows theology, Catholic theology, but is respectful of colleagues, but can elevate theology as a queen of the sciences across other disciplines and be a resource that's not intimidating, but, but helpful. And when you can find that synergy, some great things can happen interdisciplinary and curricular-wise that, that make the distinctiveness of the Catholic curriculum front and center, while respecting kind of the other secular college prep things a college prep school has to do, right. right? Yeah. This is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. I'm talking with Kyle Pietrantonio, who just completed his term as head of school at Holy Spirit Preparatory School in Atlanta, and he is the co-founder of the Duke in Altum Schools Collaborative. So, Kyle, you were talking about like all the latter part of that, like all the rigors of being prepared for college, and especially a lot of this becomes, I think, kind of ingrained in the high school students themselves. Like for many of them, especially the high achieving ones, they don't need to be motivated. They're self-motivated and in fact, sometimes hyper-motivated, as you said, to get those scholars scholarships to get into the most prestigious colleges. What kind of things do you try and do as a school to prevent teenagers who have good desires and good ambitions from getting swept up and sort of lost in that and rooted in, as you said, the, the Catholic identity that you're trying to form? Sure. So s seven years ago, soon after taking on the, the head role at the school, I engaged cross-section of folks, of stakeholders in our community uh, in a, a really neat exercise to paint a picture of the Holy Spirit Prep graduate. And it was a real generative, thought-provoking exercise that took several months. In fact, I, I would say it was as painstaking as coming up with a school's mission statement, which is if you've ever done that exercise, right. it can be quite laborious, but very important to do. And likewise, I thought we need to kind of enumerate, if you will, the grad at grad, as the Jesuit schools call them, right? What attributes do we want our young men and women having 
by the time they walk across uh, the stage at commencement time. And not just, you know, the substance of those attributes, many of which are aspirational, but also the order in which those attributes mm. are prioritized. Yeah. And, and that, Lenny, to your question is key. And I think this, our successful graduates come away with not just knowing their three R's inside and out, and I always add religion to the fourth <laughs> R, but a right order, a fifth R, like a right uh. order of things in their life, right? That's what to me is is really key. And I, and I think when they come through our program of formation, and like I say, the longer they're on our runway, generally the the the, the, the more the closer the embodiment of the portrait of the graduate, because there's this just this continuum and this constancy in our formation program that they understand the right order of things in life and and the priorities. And I think when you have a young, our graduates, they're 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 mature for 17 and 18 year olds, and a, a lot of it is a, a testament, certainly to their families and their parents. A lot of the testament is to the school and the habits of formation they've gained during their time there and understanding kind of what's thrill and what is important and then ordering their life and their goals kind of accordingly. And that has to happen in every domain of their experience. So their experience in campus ministry on retreats, that's got to echo also in our college counseling experience. And our director of college counseling and that team, they need to be also singing from the same hymnal in terms of order. And so when you have that that symphony, that, that kind of everyone is to kind of playing together, it can be very powerful for a young person to really walk away with a clear sense of who they are, who's God calling them to be, and letting them kind of prioritize their life accordingly. And that's key, I think, for keeping faith in college. And we, we survey our alum in college, and we do extraordinarily well with our alum who continue to practice their faith in college. And that's one of the metrics I, frankly, as head, cared most about, is how, how are they doing with faith in college and beyond? I love what you talk about there in terms of the right ordering. So it's having all of these these values or virtues that you're lifting up, but also this key virtue of, I suppose it's prudence to be able to know which thing goes in which place and how to relativize them. It reminds me of some reading I was doing on the effects of multitasking. I'm kind of obsessed with multitasking and the (laughs) the effects of it on us in that we enter into these crises of irrelevancy that we, because we take in so much and we split our attention in so many ways, that everything sort of gets leveled out at the same frequency of importance. And so precisely what gets lost is the ability to order what's most important rel- relative to what's a little bit less important and how they how these things relate to each other. So as I hear you say that, I just think about like how crucial that is at young informative ages to develop that that's what seems like a soft skill, but it's such a crucial determining skill to be able to sort things in degrees of importance relative to each other. Right. Yeah. How do you how do you see that develop in your students as they progress through the school? How are they doing it in the lower school? And then how do you see them struggling with it and and working towards it in the upper school? Sure. So as any effective educator knows, you know, scaffolding is a key kind of pedagogical tool when you're teaching students in a variety of disciplines. And and we kind of take a very intentional scaffolding approach to to faith formation, the students 
aren't aware of this, and, and frankly, I don't know how many parents are aware of this, but there's kind of a blueprint to how we scaffold faith formation from the preschool to the lower school to the middle school to the upper school. Of course, the idea with any scaffolding is, you, you know, that you, you have a model, the teacher or the chaplain or whoever the adult is in the educational setting, they're modeling, you're picking up on cues you're seeing it. And then, you know, you're doing a student along with uh, the teacher's help. And then you are doing it on your own some with some training wheels, the teacher's there to, to spot you. But then, you know, by the time you're done with the lesson, or, or in this case, the, the continuum, the whole program, you're autonomous, you're on your own, you're flying, right? And so it all starts the modeling. So it, who do we hire? We focus, I, I always say in organization and companies, the who question, you know, my father ran a company, he taught me this at a young age, the who question is the single most important question organizational leader can ask. Why is important, no doubt, but who, particularly in a school climate, who you hire is critical. And, and we spend a lot of time on that question, the leadership team, and we make sure that the men and women that work alongside our young people are exemplars of the faith and love children. And that, it's a simple recipe, but but it's not as, as easy to find as you might think. But we spend a lot of resources on it, and, and it's an important important ingredient in, in the broader recipe of the school. And when, when you have great exemplars of the faith, from whether they're teaching preschool or they're teaching the 12th grade apologetics course, that is key. They're bearing witness, not just when they're up in front of the classroom or working alongside the children. As you know, in school, so much happens in the hallway conversations and in the extracurriculars and in the sports. And so the modeling is key. And then just myriad opportunities for all the adults to work with the faith formation of the kids throughout their program. And so that's teacher chaperoning retreats. And we start retreats in the lower school, which I think is rather unorthodox insofar as mm -hmm. I've, I've looked at Catholic schools across the country, but we believe in the power of a well-organized and implemented retreat. And, and so we do do day-long retreats for our students in the lower school. We begin overnight retreats and mission trips in the middle school. And then in the upper school, lengthier retreats, optional retreats, single gender retreats, a capstone trip to Rome, a pilgrimage to Rome. So there are all these kind of experiential pieces that are scaffolded folded through their life uh, as a student at the school. But then just also opportunities, many opportunities for the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist and the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And so we have the good fortune of being able to do the sacramental prep as a community of faith. Uh, the Archbishop had blessed this where the students get their sacramental formation in the school. Mm -hmm. So they receive the sacraments as a cohort in their class, which is an awesome experience. Mm -hmm. um, and again, in the lower school, so they have a rhythm by which they attend mass as a grade, kind of once every six or seven school days together, and scheduled blocks for reconciliation during the week. The hope is by the time they're in middle school, they're taking up opportunities for the sacrament of reconciliation on their own and seeking out one of our chaplains to do so. Uh, it's kind of the recipe is working. They've gotten this habit and they're now starting to spread their wings and see the gift of that grace. We have a neat Sacred Heart Society in the middle school. So there's a particular devotion in they enter uh, fifth grade in our school, the first Friday mass. 
And so by this point, you know, they've been going to mass with their class, but then we, you know, make it optional during their breaks. It falls on a first Friday during winter break. I remember going to this mass this past year with, with this cohort of middle school students. The vast majority who were in town over Christmas break showed up with their parents yeah. on you know, yeah. so these are the things that we try to do on the faith formation and campus ministry really intentionally so that they they're they're infused with it. They, yeah. they see the, the good, the true and the beautiful of, of the faith. They've come to appreciate it and savor it. They want it in their life and then they go after it on their own and they fall back on it, too. And if they're having a hard time in college, the emails I get, you know, just gratitude for that rock, that anchor um, of their Holy Spirit prep experience uh, when they were in a dire situation. And um, so so really good validation. I'm a big believer in that pre-K-12 model uh, for, for those reasons. And we've seen great validation that, that, that it's working. This is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today and Redeemer Radio. I'm talking with Kyle P. Trantonio, who just completed his term as head of school of Holy Spirit Preparatory School in Atlanta. He's also the co-founder of the Duke in Autumn Schools Collaborative. I'd like to talk about Duke in Autumn now, since I've mentioned it twice and we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, Kyle. So, You've worked with Catholic school leaders from across the country building this collaborative called Duke and Altum, uh, taken from John Paul II, right, uh, cast out into the deep. Tell us a bit about that work and the fruit that it's been yielding. Sure. So I have to give credit to to Father Paul Koska, who uh, is an integral co-founder to Duke and Altum. I met Father Paul, perhaps providentially, about seven years ago uh, through a mutual connection. And Father Paul, a wonderful priest out of Denver, Colorado, uh, he's now serving as a chaplain uh, in our, our U.S. forces. So, so pray for Father Paul. And he co-founded a young order of priests uh, out in Denver and uh, was serving as a chaplain of a Catholic high school out there at the time and was somewhat frustrated or saw an opportunity for um, some sharing of best practices in campus ministry, but also across Catholic high schools in terms of of the faith formation of, of our programs. And so, th- so Father Paul saw this need, and and kind of simultaneously, I was networking with some shared friends of Father Paul uh, at some other Catholic schools across the country, and saying, "Listen, I see a lot of opportunity for you know a group of us to come together collectively. We have a lot of of resources at our respective schools. How might we? And we're constantly getting." you know, phone calls and emails about sharing this or that, and how might we come together as a collaborative of, of Catholic schools in different regions of the country and put on, you know, our first apostolate and outreach was putting on what we called the Formation Summit, uh, which is a, a two and a half day, really, I, I call it kind of an active retreat. I know, Lenny, you were invited to speak at one a year or so ago, and unfortunately, or no, fortunately, <laughs> yes. you couldn't because your wife was in labor and, and giving <laughs> that's, that's true children. and, and I, I had to prioritize when, what's most important and relative right so I was well educated before that yeah point. and we hope to have you at a future summit but that that's been the, the most um, noticeable outgrowth of, uh-huh. of Duke and Alton is gathering Catholic school leaders and campus ministry and theology teachers and other teachers in Catholic schools from around the country for kind of this two and a half day, what I would call kind of an active retreat. Um, it's different than a conference. Um, there's there's opportunities for 
holy hour and 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 generally we'll get the ordinary of the diocese we're hosting to do uh, a mass and opportunities for confession but also bringing some real thought leaders on young Catholic education and young people today across the country at colleges and universities and kind of feeding us. So we get fed intellectually. We also get our souls get fed. And it's been a wonderful outreach over the last five years. We're waist deep in planning this next one, which will be our first virtual summit. <laughs> like everybody's, uh, everybody's got a first virtual something going on these days, right? Yeah. So uh, diaschools.org is the website, and there's more information about the summit in late October, which is going to be a, a phenomenal one. The silver lining of this pandemic and going virtual is we're excited. We're going we're gonna to really cut the cost of admission this year for the, the summit in the hopes that we really can evangelize and reach mm-hmm. many more than the couple hundred of, of attendees we've had over the past few years. So we're excited about the platform and the fruits that, that it'll, it'll bear. But uh, it's been a wonderful apostolate to be a part of. Uh, one of my projects this upcoming year on sabbatical is really working to elevate DIA and see how we can better serve even more Catholic schools. So stay tuned. I'd love to keep you apprised, Lenny, of that. I think it's got a very a bright future and one that Catholic schools are going to need, I think, as they navigate some interesting waters ahead. You bet. Well, Kyle, we're coming to the end of our time. Another show has got to start on the air here in, in just a couple of minutes. So maybe I'll just ask you at the end, very briefly, if you could you know, as you're looking out on the Catholic education landscape, what's your what's your great hope or the or the challenge you think we need to face right away? Uh, sure. Well, on a pragmatic level, schools, if they haven't learned from the past several months, they need to do so immediately. Is just adapting to what is going to be a new normal and yeah. uh, and and becoming a multimodal um, institution is going to be imperative. Mm-hmm. And again, another silver lining to this crisis, in my opinion, is finally something that's going to compel some disruption and innovation in what has been a real static and slow industry. And frankly, Catholic schools really need to get on the ball. The Catholic Church historically is slow to move. I I, I love the intentionality and deliberation in which our church moves, but uh, we've got to use this opportunity to be nimble and really respond. And I'm really hopeful and thankful that so many of the Catholic schools throughout the country, Holy Spirit Prep included, are, are doing marvelous things, both in delivering instruction virtually, but also doing a a, a tremendous amount of work this summer to to meet students safely on campus yeah. because I really believe in the relational dimension of our schools and and so that's going to be key and just not to lose the the world is getting very uh, loud on many issues that run counter to our church and what she teaches and it can be a big distraction and so my other hope and prayer is that we really stay true to the gospel and really keep our eyes on the prize and our true Catholic identity and don't waver from that and don't try to be all things to all people. And I think we'll come out really a shining beacon in, in many regards. That's my, my hope and prayer. That sounds good. excellent. We'll have to follow up on some of these things later, I hope. But for now, I want to thank you, Kyle, for joining us here on Church Life Today. Lenny, it's been great to be with you. Thanks again for your ministry and doing this series. Thanks you. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Church Life Today. This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners.
Does debt have you down? Are you worried about your credit cards, your mortgage, or keeping your car? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union can help. Our people are trained to be financial physicians. They can give you a checkup, help you to heal, and then stay healthy. Don't be embarrassed, it's why we exist. When your body is sick, you go to see a doctor. When your finances are sick, you go to see the friendly folks at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits?